I embarked on that journey not knowing exactly what to expect, but but hearing from Artrice that I would be fine. So I figured I that's great. I've got a place to stay for at least some of the trip. I can make these plans. It's this is truly freeing. I can do whatever I want mm-hmm. um, for these few weeks. And and I did just that. And I never um I mean <laughs> to be to go from not wanting to travel at all to now wanting to see many different parts of Asia and feeling that much more adventurous, um, that trip was was huge for me. That was a a time, um, just a, a profound traveling experience from for a lot of different reasons. First Person is a podcast about life-changing travel experiences where Ray and I conduct interviews about trips that change people's lives. Amaula. We started this podcast because we've personally had trips that changed our lives and want to share these stories with you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to First Person. This is Malum. And I'm Ray. Uh, today, with we have Amber Long with us, and she's going to share her story of traveling solo around the world. And I actually know Amber from my wife. They actually met in Italy while they both were traveling independently solo. So that's an interesting story in and of itself, and maybe we'll get into that as well. So without further ado, Amber, please tell us your story. Hi, everyone. I, um, as Ray said, I'm Amber, and um, I have come to discover that I prefer and absolutely love traveling solo. Um, I just find it to be so much easier and stress-free uh, and relaxing than having to worry about traveling with a group of any kind, really, but especially a, a group of um, perhaps friends or family. Um, I started my travel journeys, I think, pretty late in life, um, unfortunately, but fortunately, because I guess it's never too late. Um, I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit with fairly strict parents who didn't really let you go too far. Um, But I was fortunate enough in high school to take my first solo trips, I guess you could call them solo in some ways, um, to take my first solo trips, the first one to, um, I'm trying to remember which came first, I'm going to say Washington, D.C., so that wasn't far. um, But it was my first time really getting to go somewhere without my parents. And that was a big deal for me. Um, I was forced to raise the money or i shouldn't say force because it was a good thing i was forced to raise the the money for this trip all by myself to go to this conference and um i was expected to to go off and behave and represent my family and my school well and i I think i did later in high school i had the opportunity to go to france again not completely solo um but with the class and by myself and at the time solo felt like i was without my parents felt like a a solo venture um and it was quite the experience because that was also my first time really traveling outside of North America. Wow. Um, well, let me let me ask a quick question. Like for your trip to DC and to France later on, what gave you the confidence to to be able to go by yourself and 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 do that? Well, I feel like you're always confident when you're a teenager um, <laughs> because you just don't know any better. Okay. So confidence <laughs> confidence comes easy um, as a as a kid because you really there's a an element of invincibility that I think you have or just a, a feeling of invincibility that you have when you're a teenager. Nothing can really stop you from from anything. So 
um, okay. I, I never thought twice about that. It was excitement. It was sheer excitement being yeah. away and kind of being off on your own. I even got in trouble in France. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure for, we'll hear about that soon. Yeah, yeah. Just for the people who may not find it easy to, to get that confidence, even as a teenager, what would advice would you get for, get for them? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you just have to dive into it. I, I try something you know, small, something minor. If it's not, you know, maybe don't go abroad that first time. Try uh-huh. to do something else that's a little more comfortable, um, perhaps local or something closer so that you don't jump too far outside of your comfort zone that first time. And that'll help build some confidence. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. I think it's easier than a lot of people think. But um, so taking that trip uh, to France, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Yes, I got in trouble um, again, I wasn't completely alone. I was with a, a group of my peers from school and one teacher, uh, but we had some alone time and she, uh, we also had a curfew that my teacher thought we had violated, my, my cousin and I, but truth be told, we did not. Um, but that's, that's neither here nor there. They <laughs> called my parents in the middle of the night um, and as long as I was okay, fortunately my parents were, were okay with it. So. Um, it's all water under the bridge now. Why did she think you? <laughs> why did she think you were um, off curfew? Well, so many things around my life revolve around food, um, uh-huh. and I decided. My friend and I decided that we were hungry, and it was fairly late at night. And um, after curfew, technically, and we were looking to get something to eat, and she told us that we were not allowed. We couldn't leave the hotel to find food we needed to stay. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a restaurant in the hotel. It just so happened to be that the entrance was outside. So we went there <laughs> thinking that it was fine. You know, it, that should work. It was close enough. It was technically in the hotel. We mm. went there, it was open. We grabbed some food, we came back um, and we got quote unquote caught. Um, <laughs> but I still don't see this as a problem and I still don't think it was necessary to make that phone call. Um, but they did, you know, woke, she woke my parents up in the middle of the night and I didn't hear anything about it, fortunately. I think that was the first time my parents trusted me to do something responsible and, and make the right decision for myself at the time. And mm-hmm. I didn't get in trouble, if you will. Yeah. Um, and then I, I moved into adult life, you know, college. I'd say one of my biggest regrets going into and all the way through college was actually not going abroad. That is the time, in my opinion, to start. If you don't have those opportunities before, if you're not raised um, in a traveling family or um, something like that, if you're fortunate enough to go off to college and have a residential experience, Mm -hmm. um, or even if not, I I think you can take advantage uh, at just about any four-year university and probably a good number of two years as well uh, of opportunities to to travel abroad and study abroad. And as an educator, that's something that I share with one of my students, with my students all the time. Um, it's probably the, the biggest, most important thing you can do outside of going to college itself is start that exposure yeah. um, early. And, and for me, that's my biggest regret from undergrad is not studying abroad. So from that, I feel like I got a little behind, um, but I always wanted to. I had um, a, a grandma who, a grandmother who traveled and, and worked her entire life. And then when she retired, she decided to, to have a part-time job just so that she could travel. And she was uh, in many ways a solo traveler too. She traveled with a, a group of buddies, but um, she was kind of always 
by herself in that adventure. She never had mm -hmm. uh, super close friends um, outside of that group or, or even family members uh, who traveled with her most of the time. Um, so I saw that as, as really inspiring for, for someone well above my age to to want to venture out and see the world uh -huh. um in that way and um yeah so my my adventures kind of started there it started first with my my move to new york city which was a huge leap of faith um for for myself to to move to this place alone and um this permanent solo travel that i kind <laughs> of embarked on doing that um and then it, my first real trip um, outside of the U.S. on my own was just a quick one to the Caribbean for my birthday. And everyone was so taken aback by that. My 31st birthday, I'll never forget it. I just uh -huh. up and decided um, that I was going to go away to Turks and Caicos. At the time, I had been in New York for three years. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just go away. And I decided that I would go away and it'd be by myself. And that would be that. So I found a resort. Um, and you find when you travel alone or solo that you are not alone for long. And uh -huh. that's and everyone told me that. Those who weren't questioning my sanity um, were really encouraging to tell me that you won't be alone for long. You just, you make friends. How do you uh, deal with that um, people that are looking at your decisions and kind of viewing them and judging you or, or mm -hmm. being a little bit... Um, I don't know if it's negative or just uh, cautious about your safety. I don't know what it is, but like that, how do you deal with that? Yeah, and I, I think it's a combination of things. I uh -huh. think it's it's a little negativity, um, perhaps a little envy, but I think those things are minor up against um, the caution and just I think perhaps the the offense for some. I think I have I had family and friends. I think who would have liked to have been invited. Oh, perhaps okay. you know there are things like that that happen every time I decide I'm going to go somewhere. People say, "Oh, you didn't ask if we wanted to go, or you didn't ask anyone else if they wanted to go." And it's like, "Well, yeah, that's that's right. That's not the point of this trip." Right. Um. So so less envy and and less real um, concern, but but definitely a little a little caution. Um, and, and some offense. So people, uh, especially where I'm from, I think my family is, is pretty protective and very cautious and reserved. Um, so the idea of doing anything or going anywhere for me alone was something that was constantly questioned. Uh -huh. um, for, for folks like my mom, it's a safety issue. And, and what do you say when they ask you that question? You just... Um, you're, you you never know. I mean, anything can happen anywhere in this world today. Um, you just, you can't live your life with fear. Right. Um, you have to be willing to, to take some risk. And to me, it's not a risky move at all. Um, I, it's, I have never, one thing I can say, I've never traveled anywhere, at least not yet, where I've felt unsafe or that even had a reputation for being unsafe okay. so i think that most of those questions are unfounded but people just don't know okay okay yeah um so so that trip to turks and caicos was the very beginning i mean it was an amazing time i i made great friends there i was there by myself but i met someone pretty much as soon as i got off the plane hmm. who was also traveling to the same resort um i 
made many great friends while I was there. We had a whole group of us who hung out together and it was just, that was kind of a party. I celebrated my birthday all by myself, but I wasn't by myself. They knew it was my birthday and they, they threw a party, they got me a cake. Um, <laughs> it was a, a wonderful thing and that to me, um, opened my eyes to the possibilities and, and what was I, what I could do if I didn't let anyone else hold me back. Because the problem with traveling with others is that you you wait for others and you wait and you wait and you coordinate and you have to make sure that everyone is happy um, and that can hold you back in many ways. Okay, yeah. So I, I realized that when you have no agenda or when the agenda is all yours, um, there's so much freedom in that and I was completely liberated from that moment on. Um, fast forward a couple years later, my Italy trip. Uh -huh. um, I made this decision to to go to Italy by myself because it's something I'd always wanted to do. Um, and I had I had the time. Um, I think the other thing, being fortunate, being an educator and having a, a school schedule or at least something that looks like a school schedule is that uh, summers can be very flexible. Mm -hmm. And I found you know an opportunity to, to plan a trip um, to Italy that I'd always wanted to take that explored a, a good amount of the country. Mm. And uh, I did it alone until I got there. I decided yeah. to go with this travel group um, and met this really, just as soon as I uh, got on the group, met this really awesome woman who was also traveling alone. <laughs> um, and we ended up being roommates for the entire two weeks that we were traveling. This is Ray's wife, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we, we managed to be, to be roommates and it was a, a great experience. Um, being alone and solo traveling, but not really. Um, I found her to be even uh, more of an inspiration for me um, as a, a beginning solo traveler because I learned that she had traveled so much more and had seen so many amazing places and had lived abroad and had had all of these experiences. Um, and on top of that, uh, she was black. So that blew my mind <laughs> um, because I, at the time, it didn't seem like there were a whole lot of people um, traveling, let alone traveling alone. It's just not something you run into all that often, especially uh -huh. for women. Right. Um, so that to me was even more inspiring. Um, so it, we had a lot of great experiences and, and when she said that, it, once we returned about a, a year later, I think is when she moved to China. <laughs> and I thought maybe, just maybe, that'll be my opportunity to visit China. Now, uh -huh. now Asia is a place in general that I had never had on my list. I never had any real desire to explore Asia. I had been to, to France and Italy and lots of places in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. um, but I, Asia just wasn't it for me. I, I think being a, a picky eater, like I said, a lot of things revolve around food. Uh -huh. um, and being a very picky, particular eater, I was concerned about cuisine. Um, I was concerned not so much about safety, but about just being comfortable, uh -huh. um, not knowing anything and not speaking the language at all. I had some experience with French and France. Um, Wait, just to, before we go, like, dive into Asia, can sure. we talk a little bit more about Italy as far as, yeah. like, 
the experience of like the culture or the food there did you have any issues with that mm -hmm. or or just yeah not at all food was actually the reason to go to italy um <laughs> because i i love italian food uh and unlike some you know i think some people go to italy for art some people go for wine some people go for food some folks go for all of the above right um shopping i suppose you could say for the, the shoppers and the fashion folks um, but for me, it was about the food. I've always loved Italian food, pasta, mm. bread, olive oil. It just, it, that makes my life. <laughs> um, so for me, I was going to eat and, and drink a little wine my way through different parts of Italy. Mm -hmm. um, and that was an interesting experience because I found once I got there, and, and maybe I just didn't go to the right places. I'm sure that, that that's probably true. But I wasn't all that impressed with most of the food. <laughs> no. I think there were maybe two meals that we had the entire time that were mind-blowingly awesome. And everything else was just very good. But I've had really great Italian food in lots of other places mm -hmm. um, that didn't have to be Italy. And, and the same thing with the <laughs> that's, wine. That's interesting, that's, that's surprising too. Um, one thing I remember from my wife telling me about Italy is the, mm -hmm. the culture is completely different around meals right it's not like here yes. you go you eat you leave, leave. yeah um it's a could you talk about that yeah it's a social experience and that i appreciate i think you know it, and it's a later experience i tend to eat meals late too but we would be in a restaurant at nine ten o'clock <laughs> and there's you know full families and not just it didn't seem like immediate families there's this extended family sitting down for a meal and they would be there for hours um, with all of the different courses, you know, from the, the pasta, pasta itself is not a meal in Italy. It's just part of it. It's like the appetizer. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and, and they don't actually, there's not a lot being consumed like we do here, um, which is probably why everyone else is in such better shape because I think here yeah. in America, we do things to excess. Um, and that yeah. makes it very different. But yeah, the meal there is an experience and you're taken through multiple courses if you choose and you're encouraged to take your time and and sip and sip your wine you don't have to drink it you just mm. you know sip it take your time go slow um through the entire experience and enjoy it enjoy the conversation enjoy the company um and enjoy the food of course as well yeah, yeah. okay and that that is also um again with life kind of revolving around food at many points. That was also something that I, I really enjoyed um, of that experience. In terms of the, the meals that were mind-blowing, do you recall what they actually were? Um, I do. I recall at least one of them. And I actually, I was in Florence a few weeks ago. I went back to Italy for, for a new job. That's a whole other story. But I, one of my favorite meals is actually not pasta. It's just a, a very simple steak dish um, with steak. It's usually some type of sirloin, um, prefer like preferably filet, um, mm -hmm. that has arugula and shaved Parmesan. Um, it's simple. You can call it a salad. You can call it what you want, but it's amazing. Um, and I don't know why meat and arugula and Parmesan taste so much better in Italy, but <laughs> that does. Um, that particular meal I don't find in Italian restaurants here in the States. Mm -hmm. um, that dish is not something that I have ever seen on a menu here, at least not that way. Um, but I, I decided I'd start making it at home. 
So oh. it was it was that, um, and then we started with a, just a plain uh, pasta bolognese of some kind. Um, that was also just delicious, and mm. the bread, everything was good. Everything that is pretty typical um, was just well done, from the bread to the wine to the pasta, mm. and then the the main course. Um, and the dessert. I can't remember what we had for dessert. We definitely had it, but I cannot remember what that was. Um, but the meal was so delicious, yes. Awesome, thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. Coming out of Italy, and then can I, can I go into yeah, Asia go now? Ahead, yeah. and, and then deciding that I'm gonna take this adventure to Asia, which felt much more like traveling uh, solo, even though I was going to, to visit Artrice, I was going to be on my own for a good amount of the time, and I knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, Asia for me as a picky eater was a scary thought um, because I knew from hearing from people, uh, whether it was my grandma who had traveled to China herself Mm. um, or just hearing from others that um, Chinese food is not Chinese food in in China. (laughs) What What we eat here, what we eat here in the U.S. is not Chinese food. Uh-huh. Um, so I spent pretty much my entire life thinking I never want to go there because I have no idea what the food's going to be like. And that to me is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. If I go anywhere, um, I need to know that I'm going to be able to find food. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I embarked on that journey, not knowing exactly what to expect, but, but hearing from Artrice that I would be fine. So I figured I that's great. I've got a place to stay for at least some of the trip. I can make these plans. It's this is truly freeing. I can do whatever I want mm-hmm. um, for these few weeks, and and I did just that. And I never, um, I mean, <laughs> to be to go from not wanting to travel at all to now wanting to see many different parts of Asia and feeling that much more adventurous. Um, that trip was was huge for me. That was a a time, um, just a, a profound traveling experience from for a lot of different reasons. A, I ate, I ate just fine. I enjoyed many more meals in China than I did in Italy. Wow, um, which I found really interesting because I I mean Chinese food I love too, but again it's American Chinese food. I literally eat chicken or shrimp with broccoli. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take in some dumplings every now and then, but my Chinese food repertoire, even here, is limited. I ate way more there um, and just allowed myself to to try uh, new things. Yeah. And, and semi-new, you know, I, I have my comfort zone, I have my foods, you know, I, I didn't eat bugs or, you know, <laughs> odd fish or anything like that, but I definitely did what I could to to veer outside of the comfort zone that I had set for myself when it came to cuisine. Yeah. Um, so I, I ate just fine. Um, and I also realized that I, I think being there um, and also that and, and now traveling to Florence even recently, I've come to learn that American privilege is an awesome thing you know what it must be like i've i've started to think a whole lot more every time i leave to go anywhere um and living here in new york city even every time i leave 
my house, I have everyone speaks my language. Everyone, um, you know, caters to me in many ways. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized that in China and and how fortunate that is. Um, and I realized it again in Italy, um, this most recent trip a few weeks ago, everything for the most part everywhere is in English. Yeah. And it, will my next trip, will it be one where I really get out of my comfort zone and go somewhere where that won't be the case? Uh-huh. Um, how difficult is it to find that place where no one's going to speak my language and no one's going to um, to know that I'm American or I think it's, I don't know, I feel like that's the easy thing. Everyone knows you're American. Mm-hmm. Except for in China, perhaps, where um, I, I had to convince, a uh, funny story, Toward the end of the trip, I had to convince a woman that I was American. Um, what did she think you were? I was from, and I quote, Frika. She kept saying, Frika, Frika, <laughs> you're Frika. And I, I, at first I didn't get it. And then I thought, oh, wait, Africa. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, yeah, Africa. And I was like, no, actually, I'm from America. I said, but my ancestors, you know, are uh, African. I am African American. Yes, but I am from America, USA. And mm. she just kept saying, no, no, no. Wow. No, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, because the the idea of race is an interesting concept in China. I learned a lot about Chinese culture. Mm-hmm. Um, again, something I never delved into at all, never really had any interest in um, learning a whole lot about any non-Western culture um, or any culture that wasn't American. And that's my own ignorance um, that I'm now trying to shatter. Right. Um, but I, I learned so much about the concept of uh, race and racism even yeah. um, in, in China where, again, me being a, a black woman and a lot of people seeming to to think that Americans are white with blonde hair and blue eyes and anything outside of that just can't be true. Mm-hmm. Um, being one of a very small number of people existing in a, a whole entire place yeah. in many instances, um, being the only person who looks like me was always an interesting experience. You walk into some spaces and I, I felt like I may as well have been, you know, a celebrity or something the, with the number of people who would point or stare and even take photos. Um, wow. The the audacity of people to to take photos with you. I had a man pay to take a photo with me. Wow. Uh, how did, how did it make you, feel? you are a celebrity, sounds like. Yeah, right? You would think. Um, how did you feel about that? It was mixed emotions. When I think about it now, when I come home and tell people the story, <laughs> it, they see they see it as insulting. Um, I think a lot of people would find that offensive. I tried really hard not to, and I think for me, I I saw it as a a positive thing, and I saw it as something that we would never get to experience here. Diversity um, and the the idea around race and ethnicity in a place like China is completely different from a place like the U.S. Race and ethnicity, you know, everyone who's Chinese um, still has some type of ethnic 
connection that we as Americans don't even necessarily understand or recognize. I didn't even know that there were all of these different groups and minority groups of Chinese people mm. until I'm in a museum in China reading about it. Wow. Um, so, and but to think you're in a particular place in a country where, yes, most people are, are Chinese and it, it it doesn't matter to the rest of us as in America or Western society or whatever it is, it doesn't really matter to us. We can't see or recognize the differences between all the Chinese. Everyone is just Asian, right? Right. Everyone's yeah. Asian and everyone's used to seeing Asians. So here I come or, or someone with blonde hair and blue eyes, wherever they're from. Um, and that's really different. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a it's a noticeable difference. Where here, our race, our ethnic breakdowns, they're obvious uh -huh. in many they're black in and many white. ways. <laughs> they're they're very much black and white in many ways. Yeah. Um, although I I don't know. In my opinion, that's that's changing. You know, quite a bit. The the longer we live, um, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily the case anymore as often. But so I I understood that, and I think that I came to to understand and didn't see it as a bad thing that people would stare because it came from a place of curiosity. Yeah. Um, and it came from a place of of positivity. And here, I don't necessarily, you know, if I go somewhere here and someone is staring at me <laughs> and I, I feel like I'm getting a dirty look, I don't necessarily feel like it's coming from a positive place right. or that it's coming from from curiosity. Right. Um, I it's a different you just get a, a different sense of what that might be about being a black woman in America and having people stare at you and, and feel judged and yeah and it's I think it's interesting how you could you could feel whether or not a a glance or a attention is positive or negative mm -hmm. and when it's coming from a place of curiosity I think you're more inclined to just um I guess appreciate that and, and understand being ignorant and not knowing and, mm -hmm. and wanting to provide some type of information to those people who don't know sure um and you know just i guess it's them trying to stretch as well as you trying to stretch too right right can i talk a little bit about the the whole the the racism piece because that to me was a, an experience i had when i was in china that um it's still to this day i haven't had a chance to really talk to a lot of people about it mm -hmm. um or to to really break it down the way I want to or, or to read further. But I, I had a guide for a, a little bit of the time I was there. Mm -hmm. um, I hired a guide who uh, took me around to, to a few of the different sites. I had two different guides actually in, in different locations. Okay. Um, but this particular young woman was, well, she was probably in her early 20s um, and you know just out of college and, and working for, I think she had studied to be a, a tour guide or something in the hospitality tourism industry. Uh -huh. um, and she was wonderful, but on one of the last days we went to a an arts park, like a, an arts district area. Um, and there were sculptures and there were murals and, and lots of different pieces and, and medium. Mm -hmm. And um she it, there was a a particular mural that was just it was busy it was very busy but it was 
beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it was colorful. It had lots of meaning. There were words and um, pictures. And one of those words, um, one of the phrases that was painted in this mural um, was something about killing racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was clearly done by someone who I, I think wasn't Chinese. Um, I can't remember exactly. I think the, the artist must have been European. Um, and my guide did not under, she was so disturbed by that. And I think she felt at that point, she felt comfortable enough with me. We were talking and uh, she felt comfortable enough with me to ask um, whether or not racism was a person. She had no idea what or who racism was. Wow. Um, And I thought to myself, you gotta be kidding. Like, at first, my first reaction was, you gotta be kidding me. This woman doesn't know what racism is. How does she go to college? And she has no idea like the, the definition of the word racism or not to know. Uh-huh. And she was genuinely curious. And she had this look on her face. She was disturbed. She said, is that, you know, why would you want to kill? Like, who is race, this person? Racism yeah. is that, she said, is that a person? Um, and I thought, oh my gosh. Um, no, and, it, and it, it caught me so off guard, I didn't really know how to explain it to her mm-hmm. or what examples to give. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I thought to myself, wow, here's a place where racism isn't even a thing. It doesn't exist. This was literally one of the last stops before I left um, to return to, I think, Shanghai. Um, yeah, I left to return to, to Shanghai and... I, I didn't get to ask her, you know, I didn't get to ask any follow-up questions. We really didn't get to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I could go back and if I could, could talk to her again, I'd really want to, to continue that conversation about racism. I was only able to say, you know, no, it's, it's not a person. It's, it's an idea. It's mm-hmm. a, a concept, a very ugly one. It's, you know, a yeah. bad thing. So you want to end it because it's about you know, mistreatment of people and, you know, yeah. lack of respect for others and lack of cultural understanding. And she just kind of slow nodded and, you know, like, okay. But, um, yeah, she didn't get it. I don't know if she got it. Right. But to think that there's, you know, a whole part of the world where racism isn't something that you think about. How has all this ex- affected your, your view, your perspective? upon return again i think it's that um appreciation for for the opportunities um to see other parts of the world i think it's an understanding um i try to be understanding and patient um with those who haven't had the same experiences but um while sharing my experiences, I think for, for people who may not ever have an opportunity to travel, um, it's nice to be able to share experiences um, yeah. with those folks. But uh, in terms of perspective, it's, giving, it's given me more. Um, it's given me an understanding of how a privilege, um, and even if I'm, you know, in many ways, I feel at the, the bottom of the privilege scale, here, in some senses, I am well aware of just how high I have it and just how 
high on that privilege scale I am in other respects. Mm. Um, so a, a sense of, of real perspective um, around the world. And I, I know that, and it's gonna be, I think, even more profound when I really go to a place um, that isn't as well off. You know, Europe, for the most part, economic issues aside, in certain parts is fine. You know, the mm -hmm. US is fine compared to we're the most powerful countries in the world. China, you know, is on the come up, but they're, you know, and, and fine. We're, we're powerhouse nations. Um, but there are many, many places that don't necessarily have it as well as we do. So the first time I, I go to a place um, that that doesn't where, you know, I I know right off the bat that I could live like royalty on my very modest American salary. Mm -hmm. um, that to me is, is probably going to be even more educational and talk about perspective. Um, that's that's something I'm I'm looking forward to in many ways, because I think it's something that every that I should try to experience and see. Um, but not in, not in the, the ways that I know it's going to be sad, um, to gain that part of the perspective and know that there are, are so many people to experience so many people in the world, um, who just can't, who don't necessarily have everything that they need to, to live a life, to live a healthy life. Um, I was going to say before we wrap up, um, I know Amber just started a new job, and I want to hear a little bit about that because it has to do with traveling and being an educator, so please. Yes, so I'm actually, I haven't started just yet, oh, but okay. I'm, I'm going to be starting um, a, a new job. I'm a, an educator, a college counselor to be more specific, and this new opportunity um, that I've accepted is for a traveling international boarding school. Okay. And I think, um, so it, what it is, it's exactly how it sounds. It's a high school where the students are from all over the world. It's a small global student body um, that literally move to a different country every trimester of their academic year. Wow. So they'll start in one place in the fall, they'll move to another place in the winter, um, and then to a, a last destination in the spring. And um, my role is a, a new one for this school, but it will be helping um, those students to to navigate their, their college search process and helping the school to um, make themselves more known in the, the college area. Yeah. So that students who are pursuing university, whether it's in the United States or the UK or anywhere else in the world, um, are, are aware of the school and did, and what the students have to offer. And I'm really excited about it. How did you find out about it? Um, I found out about it through a, a search firm in our field. A lot of people oh. uh, use search firms for looking for opportunities. It's okay. an, an easy way to get a lot of leads. Um, and this newer school um, posted in a with a search firm That's and, great. Yeah. and it was you know given to me and for me as someone who loves to travel and someone who wants to travel more um, it was a perfect fit I love what I do um, I love I'm a, a college nerd I love 
touring colleges. I love talking about colleges. I love working with students and helping them find colleges that they like. Um, so to do that for a, a global population in the uh, of students who seem really eager um, and again, willing to do this work. I think these are the kinds of students and this is the kind of program and the kind of concept um, that will do things like end racism yeah. and hate because here you have this small but mighty group of students who have committed to being together um, to, to gain understanding and gain perspective and, and travel the world together while they're in high school. Powerful. Um, yeah, it's very powerful. So what they will contribute um, later in life at both the university level and beyond, um, the the sky is the limit. Right. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. That is awesome. And I know we're wrapping up, but I, I would love to hear about um, how your conversations have changed or have grown with your grandmother, uh, seeing as though she's inspired you to travel and now you're you're traveling yeah so um my my grandma i i think i'm one of the people in the family who could um have conversations about travel and and all the different places that she'd been i just liked hearing her story she actually passed away in december um so it was it was always nice to hear her stories and especially when I came back when I returned from China mm -hmm. um, because that's one place where we had both been um, that is a trip that she also really enjoyed um, for a lot of the same reasons there's a lot that just never changes and time doesn't change mm -hmm. um, she you know talked a lot about pictures and and stairs and, and things <laughs> like that um, but it was awesome to be able to sit with her and show her, you know, pictures and talk about that particular trip um, specifically, and to to want to go to to many of the places where she traveled, um, just because I know that she went there and I've seen pictures and she brought back, you know, little shotskis and souvenirs. Mm -hmm. um, of complete randomness, but she enjoyed that. Um, so it was always nice to talk to her about her travels, and I really do, I miss that. Um, one of the trips that I am really eager to take, and I, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do it this year, this coming year like I'd hoped, um, due to the new job, but um, I will certainly do it sooner rather than later, um, is to Cuba, and for me, mm -hmm. that is, meaningful, um, not only because I, I really want to go to Cuba and I want to go sooner rather than later before um, we completely take over Cuba and it changes and turns into to all of the places in the Caribbean that we've been to before, mm -hmm. um, but because in my mind that's a, a place where you know, she never really got, she never had the opportunity to go. Uh. Um, if we're going to have the access, I want to be able to take that trip for for the both of us. Nice. And I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, hopefully sooner rather than later. <laughs> <laughs> and we're looking forward to hearing about it. Yes. Absolutely. No, well, thank you so much for just sharing your light, your energy, and your perspective. I I'm inspired. Um, I'm inspired to do more and to just 
just be a bit more curious about the things around me. So thank you for that. And I'm, I look forward to, I don't look forward to it, but I just know that you're going to make a profound impact on these students as they uh, jump around the world and see different cultures and just grow. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's a, a special place and um, there will certainly be um, some interesting experiences for me on the horizon as well. Uh, first stop, Peru. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, lots of opportunities to to leap outside of the, the comfort zone there. I'll certainly let you know how it oh, goes. Oh, there, there are. There, there <laughs> definitely are. <laughs> yeah, no promises on the cuisine. <laughs> All right. Uh, so with that, thank you again. And we will end this episode of First Person. Again, I'm Ray. I'm Alam. And um, see you next time. Peace. Peace. This was an official tissue. Interview. Official tissue. So interview. much tissue. So much tissue. Amber, you sound like you have a lovely singing <laughs> voice. If you want to jump in. Is that so much tissue. Is this a theme song? I hope not, but it sounds Ooh. <laughs> yes. official nice. tissue. <laughs> Talking about that like 6,000 ply, you know, not the regular. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's end it. So.